Dardan. It's just you and me again. Sean has run off into the darkness. Well, and good thing because he was being chased by the police after holding us captive for, well, I'll tell you, it felt like an eternity, but uh, I believe it was two weeks' time. Well, and also, apparently, that uh, jacket from the Titanic wasn't given to him. He stole it. Yes, and that is initially what tipped the police off uh, to come for him. Yeah, and it was actually James Cameron's jacket. Poor James Cameron. And apparently his fingers were still in the pockets. Mm. Well, ever since Linda Hamilton dumped him, he hasn't been the same, James Cameron. Do you remember Linda Hamilton in the 1980s when she did Beauty and the Beast, the TV yes. show? Of course, with uh, what's-his-face, who's uh, Hellboy. What's that yeah. guy's name? Hellboy. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. And uh, Enemy at the Gate. And, of course, most recently, Sons of Anarchy. Oh, Ron Perlman. Yeah, I thought you meant Linda Hamilton. I'm like, say what? I was referring to Linda Perlman. She plays the, the Linda Perlman. You said Linda Perlman. <laughs> Linda Perlman. <laughs> Doesn't that sound like somebody that would just annoy you? Go, you fill out this form and go up to the second floor, ask for Linda Perlman. It just sounds like that kind of person. And she'd be, like, dismissive. <laughs> how, how, Riley, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Listen uh, to this. Yeah. Why did that even come out of my mouth that way? <laughs> I don't know why I said it that way. I'm, now I'm really excited. What? Well, no, weren't you excited with the weather today? I know it's mm. very passe to to talk about the weather. But look, I have to say this. I went for a walk after work today, and all I could hear was running water. Because today was the first real uh, above zero day, thaw day here in, in the wintry north climbs of canada and it was i think about six seven degrees celsius mm-hmm. warm beautiful spring is around the corner riley it was staggeringly beautiful i went to look at the site where they're building my new house but of course it was just a big quagmire of mud so we didn't get very close to that but it's almost hiking time your in your your home is going to be modeled after yoda's home on dagobah correct yeah oh exactly there's gonna be snakes everywhere and uh yeah and a small cooking fire That's great. That's all you need. What more do you need, Dan? But I was, as I said, it's almost hiking time. And that's interesting because tonight I'm going to be dealing with a story about hiking. I was planning to do a completely other topic tonight, but I ran across an article in Wired magazine that resonated with me so strongly that I decided I would devote this, my episode of this week of The Weird to this story because I found it fascinating. For many reasons, and I hope that you share those reasons with me. And uh, yeah, I'm going to take a chance. Cool. It's uh, a very deep dive into a very contained world. So Dan, tonight I want to tell you the story of a hiker who was known to his comrades and to the hiking community as mostly harmless. So I'm going to divide my story into a number of parts. The first part I'm going to call the journey. And let's begin. Are you with me? Well, I just, so his nickname was Mostly Harmless? Harmless? Mostly Harmless. That's not his actual name, because that almost sounds like a good name. No one knew his actual name. name. But we're going to, I'm going to reveal his his actual name as it was revealed in the sequence of events. Okay? So put on your Columbia hiking boots and let's hit the trails. It's 2017. Hikers begin to have interactions with this very solitary uh, male hiker on the trails in New York State, mm-hmm. then Pennsylvania, Maryland, Virginia, Georgia, and then finally the lovely 
um, messed up state of Florida. The man was on a very long hike and I learned so much about hiking culture that I didn't know before. A long hike of this kind is called a through hike and a through hike consists of hiking through many regions mm -hmm. or, or, or many hiking trails. Mm -hmm. So he was on a long distance hike, which was known as a through hike. His proposed route would take him more than one year to complete. Wow. Now folks, almost everybody uh, universally who met him along the journey recalled that he was very friendly. People who did run into him placed his age between, somewhere between 35 and 60 years of age. Now, the reason that's such a long, I know, yeah. I wonder too, I was like 35 to 60, that's, that's a huge jump. That's 25 years. The reason why is because his beard was very gray okay. and very bushy. And because he didn't shave on the trail, it got huge. Like he had a big Gandalf beard. And so it was very gray and it aged him. So if you see photos of him before the beard and after, you'll see why people thought he could have been 60 because he has a big, like, you know, science professor beard. A lot of the hikers that ran into him noticed that his backpack was enormous. Most of them claimed it was oversized for the kind of hike he was doing. And it seemed really out of place on the trails that he was hiking. Another thing I learned about hikers, hikers use pseudonyms known as trail names. Hmm. A lot of hikers don't want people to know who they are. I don't know why, but that's it. His first trail name was Denim. He was known as, and then it switched over to Mostly Harmless. Most folks agree that he took the name Mostly Harmless from Douglas Adams. It was apparently the fifth book in the Hitchhiker's mm -hmm. Guide, which I didn't know. I have the first three. But I've never read Mostly Harmless, but there's a book by Douglas Adams called Mostly Harmless. And Mostly Harmless is a descriptor for the planet Earth. I didn't know that. Mm. I read, do you ever read Hitchhikers? I've, re I've actually read the first three, and I have uh, four and five in my, uh, on my so show. So you knew. You know about Mostly Harmless. Why? I don't remember. Yeah, I knew there was one, I think, So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, I think is one. Well, you know what's interesting about those books, too? I don't know if you've ever returned to them, but I read them. They were given to me by a very cool guy when I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And Hitchhiker's Guide books are really super funny when you're 16 years old and not super funny when you're over 35. I thought the first one is phenomenal. Second and third, they're okay. They're Like, they're good. I shouldn't say they're okay. They're good. They're not great. My favorite character in it is the triple-breasted whore of Eroticon 6. It's just such a great title. My, my favorite is Marvin, the robot, the angry, sullen robot. Oh, God. He's done so well on the BBC radio drama of it. Whoever did his voice oh, okay. is perfect. Anyway, so Douglas Adams, mostly harmless. That's probably where it came from. He also used an alias on the trail, Ben Billamy. And he used this when checking into cabins and hostels along the trail. And he was claiming that that was his real name. So he began his journey in, as I said, New York State. And he joined, of course, from there, the famous Appalachian Trail, which is pretty much one of the most famous hiking trails in North America. Bill Bryson wrote Into the Woods based on his travel along the Appalachian Trail. Oh, did he? Yeah, it's very, that's very good, too. Highly recommend that. It stretches that trail for over two thousand miles mm -hmm. three million hikers hike that trail each year dan three million uh, but very few can finish yeah it's pretty grueling it's tough yeah he was heading south through pennsylvania and then on to uh, maryland from new york 
In the summer of 2017, he traveled through Virginia, the state of Virginia, for about 100 miles with an older female hiker who went by the trail name of Obsidian. And she was 66 years old. And they were ideal traveling partners because mostly harmless had knee issues. A lot of witnesses who saw him reported that he wore a knee brace. So Obsidian was the perfect hiking companion for him because she was a bit slower. She was 66 years old. Why wouldn't he just take a car? Dan, it's a spiritual journey hiking. You don't drive it, you hike it. You just put a, a, a tape in your car with hymns. With hymns. You know, um, a lot of people compare it to going to an ashram hiking. It's a spiritual experience. Excuse me, a what? Spiritual experience. No, the first part. You said uh, An ashram. An ashram is where, it's where you go to practice like sort of high-end yoga. Oh. Yeah, you can have a spiritual re- uh, do awakening. Do you do yoga? No, not at all. Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah. I can't lay on the floor and be peaceful. I can't, I can't be peaceful, but let's just leave it at that. Um, she traveled with him. She said he was charming. His, um, his snack of choice was M&Ms. He would sort of munch on them as he walked. She, Obsidian claims she felt very safe in his company and she taught him how to properly make a campfire, even under wet conditions. I don't even know that. So I would like to learn that actually. He never shared his real name with her, but this apparently is not unusual in the world of hiking. In serious hiking, you use your trail name and that's what you go as. It's a whole counterculture, mm-hmm. which I wasn't aware of. I just, no. I didn't know. Um, he claimed that he was both from Louisiana and New York. So different people that met him got different stories. Some heard New York, some heard Louisiana. Later on in his journey, he ran into another hiker named uh, Fazig, and that was his trail name, at the Full Heart Knob Shelter in Dalesville, Daleville, Virginia. And at that time, Fazig was almost out of water and mostly harmless gave him a liter of his own water supply, which is very generous. By December, mostly harmless, he was now going by that name, had reached northern Georgia via the Appalachian Trail. At that point, he met a gentleman named Matt Mason at an outfitting store, a camp outfitting store and hiking outfitting store. I love that name, Matt Mason. It sounds fake. (laughs) It's either astronaut or porn star, right? Seriously. Yeah, it sounds like a middle America Matt Mason from Springfield. Yeah, and he's got a big square jaw. And a hump uh, coming (laughs) out of his back. Uh, At that time, uh, Mostly Harmless asked Mason for a good hiking route that could get him to Key West, Florida. So at that point in the journey, we learned that his ultimate destination was, in fact, Key West. Hold on. You can hike to Key West? You can and I'm going to explain like you're going how. through Everglades and stuff. Yeah, you you do. You Ooh. go through some pretty swamp. I would. I know. There's no fucking way, because you camp at night and the snakes come out. Right, yeah, they come out the in croc- the dark. Or alligators and the. Do they have crocs in Florida? They do. Crocs and alligators. Well, I don't know which one they have. They have one. Alligators. I don't I know the difference really. There's alligators are smaller. Okay, but they have them. They're they're dangerous though. So. So at that point, Mason explained to Mostly Harmless that there was a really great map with a a, a beautiful route on it that he could download. And at that point, Mostly Harmless stated that he didn't have a phone with him. And Mason was blown away and kind of impressed because hikers all have like satellite equipment with them for safety. So Mason, out of the kindness of his heart, agreed to print 60 pages of maps out for Mostly Harmless for $5. And he did. 
And there's a famous photo that you can see. I'm sure we'll post it with this episode of Mostly Harmless with the uh, recently printed out um, maps that would lead him to Key West. Oh, there's pictures of him too. Lots of pictures. Yeah. Lots of people on the trails took pictures of him. At that point, Mason noted that Mostly Harmless had a huge wad of bills on him. Money. Cash money. And he paid the $5 with those. During the encounter, as I said, Mason took what is probably the most famous photo of him. So you'll see it. It's everywhere in the internet. He's holding two documents. At that point, Mason posted that photo on Facebook, not realizing that it would later be scrutinized by folks from all over the world trying to solve a mystery. As a result of that post, other hikers mentioned meeting Mostly Harmless on their travels. One reported seeing him hiking during a furious snowstorm that had occurred in Alabama. And others just mentioned that he was a nice guy that had traveled with them for a while and they really liked his company. He seemed very gentle and very generous. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of him now. I think the one you were referring to. He's got two documents in his hand and he's facing yeah. the camera. That's the Matt Mason photo. He has, first of all, a very nice face. He does, yeah. He looks like a gentle person. I'm hoping this doesn't turn out him being... Horrible. Well, a lot, no, no. A lot of female um, hikers who spotted him thought he was very handsome. Well, he, he almost looks like Brady, the quarterback. I don't do sports, so I don't care. I know you don't. But anyway, he, and he does not Brady? look 60. Tom Brady, thank you. Isn't Tom Brady the one who's all into Jesus? Like, praise I, all the probably. time? Probably. I don't know. I don't, care I don't, I don't either. Um, but he, he does not look 65. Like, I'm put, I'd put him in his 40s. Yeah, but put him in a hat? With goggles on and just right. that beard, yes. right? Yeah. You have to yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to put context around it. So the next sighting, um, big sighting of Mostly Harmless was one month later in northern Florida by a trail angel uh, named Kelly Fairbanks. I had never heard of this. This is why I'm so fascinated by this because I didn't know about hiking. There are people called trail angels. And what trail angels do, are they're basically folks who help out hikers by maintaining trails, offering food, shelter, showers, whatever hikers need on their journeys. They live in communities, but they'll just go out to the trails and just, you know, just be there with fresh baked, you know, uh, uh, cookies or rations or something, water jugs, whatever that they think hikers might need, they provide and they're called trail angels. I think that's kind of awesome. I do that in my own uh, community. I go out into the sidewalks and paths and I hand out raw hamburger meat. Why do I talk to you? Oh, God. Okay. Where was I? Uh, (laughs) So, raw hamburger meat. Can you imagine? So, um, Kelly Fairbanks, this specific trail angel, would often go out to Highway 90. That's a major highway in Florida. And she would offer hikers food and showers. She had an outdoor shower. And she said as follows, and I quote, He had very kind eyes. Mm -hmm. I saw the huge beard first and thought, oh, it's an older guy, but... His eyes were so young and he didn't have crow's feet. I realized he was a lot younger. Now she was worried because the trail that he was traveling on was known to be extraordinarily confusing, especially because of unpredictable Florida weather. Yeah. I mean, I've spent a lot of time in Florida and it's crazy there. It's just absolutely crazy. The rains are usually torrential. It's very unpredictable. Yeah. She also at that time noted that he had a huge amount of paper maps that he was using and she was very concerned because uh, it was hard to navigate those trails using a paper map. Mm -hmm. The last sighting 
of Mostly Harmless by any witness was on April the 15th, 2018, and he was spotted on the Florida National Scenic Trail in a very swampy, difficult zone known as Big Cypress. At that point, he had run into another trail angel, a gentleman named Mike Gormley, and he had spotted Mostly Harmless on the side of the road. He interacted with him, described him as quiet and friendly, and he also noted how giant his pack seemed to be, that Mostly Harmless carried this really oversized pack. He offered, actually, to take Mostly Harmless's all of his winter gear because he wouldn't need it anymore. He was going into the Florida uh, climate and he offered to uh, mail it to his home so it would be there when he returned to help reduce the weight. But Mostly Harmless declined the offer. Mm. So there's the journey. And that was the last person to witness Mostly Harmless on the hike. Now I'm going to move into the next section. I call this discovery. 99 days later and 10 miles from the scene of that encounter with Mike Gormley, Two hikers were out. They're named Nicholas Horton and Logan Bueller, and they were also hiking through the Big Cypress area. The hike that day was brutal. It was full of difficult terrain, and the humidity was extreme, Mm -hmm. and they were very, very fatigued because nothing saps your energy like humidity. They were approaching a camping area, a popular one known as Noble's Camp. At that time, as they approached the camp, they noticed an odor in the air. They came across a two-person tent, and next to it were a carefully placed pair of hiking boots. They called out several times to see if anybody was in the tent, but there was no reply. They figured the person was in probably sleeping, maybe with headphones on, recovering from the strenuous hike. So they moved on, and they went to themselves recover from an exhausting day of hiking. But Bueller then decided to approach the yellow tent again. This time he went closer and peered through the... um, the flap that lets air in. And at that point, he spotted an emaciated body lying in a yellow sleeping bag. The man's eyes were wide open and his body was twisted and gnarled. Mm. The pair immediately contacted the authorities who showed up at the scene. There was no identification of any kind on the corpse. There were no signs of trauma or suspicious activity. An autopsy was conducted and couldn't determine a specific cause of death, so it was recorded as undetermined. There was nothing remarkable about the body except for one very thin scar across the abdomen. The body was very thin. It was about 5 feet 8 inches in height, and at the time of his death, they guessed that that individual weighed about 83 pounds. Oh. So he was emaciated, yeah. A lot of thru-hikers do lose a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. That's not unusual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They ran his fingerprints and they, that yielded no results whatsoever. In his backpack, they found a wad of bills, $3,500 to be exact. There was also a notebook filled with notes pertaining to an online strategy game that is popular with programmers known as Screeps. Never heard of this, but Never it's... Never heard of it. Well, you got to be a programmer to get into it. It requires programming knowledge. The tent they noticed was very messy and things were strewn about in a very chaotic manner. But again, there were no signs of foul play. So that's what I'm calling the discovery. Now, let's get into the mystery. Can I ask a question? And I may, I know we both do this to each other sometimes and we're jumping ahead. In the autopsy, was there any sign that perhaps you had been poisoned? Like drank? No. So that was fine. Yeah. Nothing, Everything was fine. Nothing toxic. Okay. Okay, so at this point, the authorities identify him as this gentleman named Mostly Harmless. 
it is mostly harmless. It's written in his book. They know that it is him, the gentleman that mm -hmm. I've been talking. You figured that out anyway. I'm mm -hmm. not going to talk about somebody else. So mostly harmless is in this tent and he is deceased. So now they got to try and piece together his journey because they didn't know where he had come from. I mean, I know. And I just told you about it, but it's only because... Wait a minute. You know because... Because all the internet pieced it together. Or you're the killer. Yeah, I'm, I'm the killer. That's that's, And I'm going to go all the way to Florida to do it. Can you imagine? Well, you, and you would. I would that's not. That's something you would do. No, I wouldn't. Especially not during COVID. <laughs> but when COVID's gone, fine. Yes. Open all season. bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> now, I didn't know this, but there are cameras all along the Florida National Scenic Trail that he was traveling. What? Yeah. There's cameras to help keep people safe because it's a difficult journey. None of them spotted him. So we don't know. Did he make it to Key West and then return to Noble's camp? We don't mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. They can't be sure. Police couldn't find any leads at all. So they released a postmortem sketch of Mostly Harmless as well as photos of his campsite. You will see in your journey is the postmortem sketch. It's the most macabre thing because... They did it from his body. So his eyes are open and he's got that, yeah. you know, that rictus, that death, the dead people get. It's, yeah. it's got that weird mummy vibe to it. It's not fun. So finally, Kelly Fairbanks sees the photos and she recognizes the gentleman from her encounter six months earlier. Remember I mentioned she was one of the trail helpers. Mm -hmm. So she immediately contacted the authorities, shared everything she knew, including the photos that she had taken of him. But it wasn't any help. So Fairbanks then took that information, Kelly Fairbanks, the trail angel, posted that information on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, other hikers, about a hundred of them, began to share stories about encountering him yet again. He, uh, I'm saying that yet again, as it, because they had already commented it on, on Matt Mason's photo saying, oh, I met this guy. But now she's posting it saying he's dead. So the other hikers all come forward. They, he had checked into many hostels and shelters throughout his journey. Lots of people remembered seeing him. He had always signed in with the name Ben Billamy. Always. Okay. Nobody knows where he got that name from. Oh, it's not his real name. No, and it's not a literary reference that anybody can find. So slowly, the mystery began to gain traction for some reason with internet sleuths. And they began to work really hard to try to identify the mysterious man. And they shared what they'd learned and began to construct a very, very definitive timeline. And this is what they found. He started his journey specifically in Harriman State Park in April 2017 in a place called Slotesburg, New York. He had taken either a bus or a train to the start point. He had taken the nickname Denim because he'd started the hike in blue jeans. And I didn't know this, but no experienced hiker would ever hike in denim. It's like an invitation to Chafesville. So, right. right. So no experienced hiker ever hikes in jeans. That's why, like, I insist when hiking on wearing pleather. Well, and that's why I never wear jeans during sex. What kind of pants do you wear? <laughs> so they found out that he, little, little tidbits about his personality, which I love. He liked ketchup and sticky buns. I know they're not that they go together, but. My uncle Ted, who has, has passed many years ago now. He would put ketchup on everything. Like, I mean, everything. My dad puts it on eggs, and I hate that. But he put he would put it on everything. Like, it didn't matter if it was a savory dish or a, a sweet dish, like salad. And I might be exaggerating. No, actually, I think he did put it on salad. 
Anyway, he loved ketchup. Yeah, that's his jam, right? Maybe he just had a very specific palate. That's the only thing he liked was that yeah. tangy ketchup flavor. Yeah, Heinz 57. When I was a kid, I loved ketchup. Well, like, we all love you'd, ketchup. You'd, I still love ketchup. If my parents took me to a restaurant, I would order fries and ketchup. That's it. That's yeah. all I wanted. But now as an, as an older person, <laughs> I prefer fries with uh, vinegar and salt. I do if they're chip wagon fries. Chip wagon fries to me have to be vinegared. Yeah, and you know, you have to you have to vinegar it. Yeah, or or like a, and even like a malt vinegar. I like malt vinegar, but I will not vinegar like McDonald's fries. There's no way. No, I use ketchup for those. They're, I'm a purist yeah. when it comes to yeah, because it's the they're super salty and that sweet ketchup. Yeah, there's just I don't nice mess with combo. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where was I? So he liked ketchup and sticky buns. He mentioned that he lived in Brooklyn, and this seemed to be the um, the the thing that he mentioned the most that he did live in Brooklyn because mm-hmm. some people thought it was Louisiana, but everybody's pretty sure it was Brooklyn. He also claimed that he was from Baton Rouge, though, with an, another group of people, and was undertaking the hike as a break from his stressful job in the high tech industry. He had also told people that he had put his personal possessions into a storage facility before embarking on the hike, which means that he was definitely going to do a through hike, a big year long or more uh, extravaganza. Mm-hmm. I could see that though, that he would change up his story. If he just wants to vanish and get away from whatever life he, he had and, or, you know, for those reasons, or even just to have some fun. My wife and I did this, have done this many times when we travel or we'll concoct whole stories and just sort of speak loud enough that people can hear us and say things like, geez, it's amazing to think in 14 months, I'll be up in orbit or, you know, and like tell a story of being an astronaut or tell the story of, boy, it was fun working with George Clooney in that film. I really look forward to the next. And, and we're just doing it for shits and giggles. Maybe he was doing it for shits and giggles. Okay. What, you didn't like that story? No, that was cool. That was cool. I just, it was a lot. In the Blue Ridge area, he had told um, a hiker that his father had been very abusive and he was completely estranged from his parents. And at that point, he also mentioned that he had a sister who lived and the hiker couldn't recall if it was Saratoga or Sarasota. Some also say that he mentioned Fort Myers, which are all areas in Florida. Fort Myers is where I used to go in the summer. Are Saratoga and Sarasota, are they both in... Florida? Yes. Saratoga. Saratoga Springs, I think it's called. And Fort Myers, I know really well because we used to have a condo there back, oh. back in the 70s. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a nice place. Oh, it's gorgeous, Fort Myers. But it's, it's on the water? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's on the Gulf. So the water's super warm. Uh, mm. It's right across from an area called Sanibel Island. But the problem with Fort Myers is it's super popular with golfers. So it's a lot of old mm-hmm. people. It's a very old demographic. So when I was a kid, I'd be like walking around and feeling very young. Oh, I should mention this too. He'd also claimed to uh, other people who met him that he loved Doctor Who. And he also claimed that he had health issues. But despite all of this evidence all of these witnesses who had met him they could not determine who he was the evidence was still too patchy now the mystery gained even more momentum on the internet as because it got reported on you know by stuff like slate i guess and things like that Mm -hmm. and it became a massively popular online mystery to the point where there were whole websites devoted to it so here are the theories that people had put forward and they had proof and they had done research and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So theory number one, he was a missing child that had been abducted in 1982. 
the other. Second one was that he was a murderer on the run. I don't understand why him being an abducted child has anything to do with what happened. Well, they claim that he probably had been kept captive and released, and I don't know. Okay. They just claimed that he was a missing who didn't want to be found, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He was a murderer on the okay. run. They also surmised or hypothesized would be the word that his knees had given out and he couldn't walk because he had been wearing knee braces. So he just died. Right. They also claimed that he suffered from terminal cancer and wanted to end his life on his own terms. Mm. That's a popular theory. Uh, there's also one. If but wouldn't it, they have found that in the autopsy? No, I don't think so. He was so emaciated. Okay. They didn't find any disease. Anyway, there, yeah, also, exactly. there was also a theory that he was a missing man named Daniel Charles Steen, who had vanished in March of 2017, because there was definitely a resemblance. They kind of mm. looked the same. But Daniel Star Charles Steen was a little bit younger looking than uh, Mostly Harmless. Now, one internet sleuth, a guy named Jason Nark, created a whole website called Adventure Journal. And this is where he shared all of his findings on the mystery. And this is where people would also send information about the mystery. So it was kind of where people would go to try to work through this. Now, another woman named Natasha Teasley created a Facebook group dedicated to the mystery. And she also went so far as to print and send flyers to, to all of the cities where he might have lived or to which he might have had connections. She focused on Saratoga and Sarasota in the hopes that his sister would f spot the flyer and come forward to identify her brother. Nothing came of any of that. Hmm. The sleuths investigated every possible clue they could. Law enforcement at the sheriff's office where he had been found even created a podcast like ours to share information about the case. Get it out there. Still, nothing. No hmm. one could identify him. They then performed a detailed DNA analysis in the hopes that it could provide some help. The sheriff's department couldn't afford it. It had a $5,000 price tag and they were a small rural sheriff's department. So it was crowdfunded on Facebook and was funded within like 20 minutes. Wow. Yeah. So, and it, it's the, the reason it's $5,000 is because they have to do a detailed DNA analysis and then they have to put the information on their networks to see if it matches anybody, right? Hmm. So it wasn't just to find your DNA like you can do on the internet for 60 bucks. You got to give them full marks for being creative in terms of, you know, how they collected information and doing the podcast and crowdsourcing, which wouldn't happen in dirty old social Canada, socialism Canada. No, in Canada, wouldn't ha that wouldn't happen. Well, maybe it would, though, because rural communities have their own budgets. Yes, but in this, in that type of situation, in any province other than ours, which is Ontario, which we have our own provincial police, the OPP, every other province in Canada is covered by the RCMP. The RCMP would be doing that. No, he there was no foul play. That's the oh, thing. Oh, even with a... With, no, apparently with unidentified bodies, they don't... They do what they can to try to identify them, and then if they're not, they don't go to... Okay, they wouldn't have gone to the extent of doing a DNA. Yeah, because it's okay, not a murder. Okay, There's, they they okay. don't need to find out who it is. I'll trust you, considering you're probably a murderer and know about these things. Thank you. <laughs> now, tomorrow, the RCMP are going to show up at my house. Yes, Dan yes, Laswa says you're a murderer. <laughs> my wife <laughs> thinks so, too. You got that weird voice. I know two Mounties. You mentioned, you mentioned somebody named Ian. Yes. He's a Mountie? Yes. Oh, is he a friend of yours? He, yes, we met coaching. Coaching what? Like childbirth? Coaching little kid soccer. Oh, I thought it was like, breathe. <laughs> 
Now push. That's with the other RCMP. Lamont's <laughs> your RCMP Lamont's friend. So after the DNA, nothing was revealed. The DNA didn't match anything. They couldn't find anything. So, uh, by the way, people went so far as there's one guy took a year off work to focus solely on this mystery. He was so obsessed with it. 2.5 years of careful investigation by thousands and thousands of people. Nobody could find anything. This is a... You interrupted me. I know, but you do that all the time too. But now I'll have to say it again. It was my big thunderous sentence. Okay. What do you want to know? What did you say? I was just going to... No, because I'll say it after. So after 2.5 years of careful investigation by thousands and thousands of people, the mystery seemed unsolvable. Now, what do you want to say? (laughs) All I wanted to say was that's becoming more and more of a phenomenon where internet sleuthers are coming out and working on these cases. Well, of course, yes. Sometimes, though, to the detriment of the case and not to, you know, the benefit of finding an actual solution. Well, I might be wrong here, but I believe that the internet gaming and coding community were responsible for helping to map the human genome. I don't know that. Yeah, they they were responsible for mapping something and they helped to contribute to a scientific breakthrough. I'll look it up and find it later, but I know this to be true. No, and and I'm not saying that they're it's bad. I think, you know, sometimes they don't have the same discipline perhaps that a trained detective would have, mm-hmm. you know, where they're trying to maybe sometimes find evidence that fits their narrative as opposed to looking at all the evidence and finding out what the narrative is through that. But they also have access to resources that the police do not, and that's a good thing. Like the internet. And also um, people on the internet when they solve mysteries, because I did look into this, tend to think outside the box, whereas police departments have a sort of a set way of investigating things, and they think within the box. So a lot of times the internet can be very, very useful when trying to figure stuff out. Mm-hmm. Just look at Reddit. I mean, I hate it. Oh, I know. I, I do, but um, also it's extraordinarily useful. I've gone to it for solutions for so many different things and always been really happy with the results. Didn't you go to Reddit when you lost your car keys to find out maybe where they were? No, but I went to Reddit when I lost my baby. Oh my God. And? Do you want to know something really interesting? Do you want to know why you shouldn't smoke when you're pregnant? Why? Because a baby is born addicted to nicotine. Oh, that makes sense, of course. And it's very dangerous. It causes heart arrhythmia and all kinds of stuff. I didn't yeah. know. I thought it was just because it's bad for you and you don't want to get that shit. In your, in your, mm-hmm. No, it's because they're born addicted. Okay, so do you want to know the outcome of all this? Yes. The case was solved last year in 2020. Oh, okay. When a former roommate finally recognized him from one of the photos. There's also a rumor that an ex-girlfriend positively identified him there's no definitive evidence about which it was it was either a roommate or an ex-girlfriend drum roll his real name was revealed to be vance rodriguez he had never been reported missing by anyone even though every member of his immediate family are alive oh yeah he had a twin sister and an older brother and he was indeed originally from louisiana At age 15, he had walked into a field with a loaded gun and had shot himself in the stomach. And this explained the abdominal scar they found on the corpse. He had gone through several surgeries to repair the damage Mm. to his stomach area. Was that an accident? No, he tried to commit suicide. Oh, he did? Oh, absolutely. At age 17, he had been legally emancipated from his parents by ruling of a Louisiana court. We don't know why the evidence was sealed. 
Nobody knows exactly what happened. He had mentioned to friends that he had wanted to be buried in the field in which he had originally shot himself. Mm. When he finished high school, he had attended the University of Southwestern Louisiana and had studied computer programming. And this guy fits the profile of your classic computer nerd. He loved programming. He loved science fiction, nerd stuff, and video games. Uh, Just before the hike, he had been living in Brooklyn, working as a programmer. He had left every bit of his personal identification in his Brooklyn apartment. We're talking passport, driver's license, health insurance card, everything before he had set out on his hike. His apartment, uh, they said, was cluttered. It had been filled with computers and gaming tech. Wasn't a nice place to live. It looks like a gamer's hole. The landlord stated that he had been living with a girlfriend until they had gotten into a huge fight, and at which point she had abruptly left. Before the hike, he had long, dark hair and almost dressed exclusively in black. He looked a bit gothy, to be quite honest with you. And if you mm-hmm. looked at him on the trail and then look at pictures of him before the hike, it's not even like the same guy. Mm. Like the eyes and bone structure are the same, but he does look like a gothy mm. kind of person or a person who'd be into like, you know, dark metal and stuff. Mm-hmm. His immediate family would not and will not comment about his disappearance at all. And a friend said very cryptically in an interview, there's a reason no one reported him as missing. His friends claim he was a very moody person, had difficulty maintaining relationships. He had depressive episodes where he would withdraw completely from the world and become very cruel. Mm. Now, he had an ex-girlfriend, a long-term relationship of about five years. And on Facebook, she claimed that he had been physically abusive and that he had also Mm. suffered from schizoaffective disorder. But this cannot be confirmed. She's the only person who ever said that. No one else ever really saw evidence of schizoaffective disorder. Other people said he seemed to be more bipolar. A friend uh, close to him described him as deeply kind and caring and a bit of a dick. I want that on my tombstone. Deeply yeah, kind you. Deeply kind and caring and a bit of a dick. In January 2017, three months before he started out on the hike, he posted the following message online in a group. I'm mostly harmless for now. He was 42 years old when he died and an ex-girlfriend contacted his family. I think it was the one who had been with him for five years and informed the family of his death. And his sister wrote back and said only one statement. My family has no comment. And that is the story, Dan, of Mostly Harmless. That's my story. It's a very sad story. Yeah. Look, he was 15 when he tried to commit suicide. And who shoots themselves in the stomach? Well, because that's a very painful way to go. It's graphic. It's gross. It's It's not instant. Oh. Yeah. So that tells me that something, he probably was dealing with some sort of trauma. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, 15 years old to do something like that to yourself, feeling a lot of pain. Well, and I and I said earlier in the thing, he claimed to many witnesses that his father had been abusive. Yeah. So we don't know. I mean, it could be sexually abusive. He could have been a violent mm-hmm. man. We don't know what kind of abuse it could be because there are right. many abuse can take many forms. Well, it all sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Because he goes on this journey to escape his reality. Mm-hmm. He's not experienced, no. even though he looks experienced in those photos. Right? He has that outdoorsman, rugby, you know, hiker look. It makes sense, though, that he makes mistakes. Yeah. And... Perhaps in the Everglades, he made, you know, a huge mistake, maybe went too far. Uh, if he had a bad knee, 
like you say, maybe he, he couldn't get out and he starved. Mm-hmm. He could have just died from dehydration. There's a million reasons. Yeah, you get heat stroke. Yeah. That can really, especially if he was hauling all that heavy yeah. gear. He could have drunk water in desperation from the swamp and gotten really bad bacterial infection. Dysentery, yeah. and, then, and then that hold him up and, and maybe didn't kill him. But, but dysentery yeah. will dehydrate you instantly, right? That's right. So very sad, uh, interesting story. Did you like it? Because I took a chance this week. This isn't like the big dynamic. I don't know why. I, I, I don't know why. You, no. It, but it's not like a rock and rolly kind of like, ooh, big ghost Satan well, don't worry. I've got that covered uh, next week. <laughs> I'm doing The Mystery of Tommy, a pinball wizard. It's a great story. That's actually a good musical. I like Tommy. I love it. Was, I think that's, that is the first musical, professional musical I ever I saw. I love the overture. And I love Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. I love Tina Turner. She's the acid queen in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. No, it. Uh, I think it was fine. It, it's You've done a few of these stories. Like, I would put this... Not it's not quite the same, but as the um, the missing hiker, the one that takes place in Japan. Yeah, yeah, it has that kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. But this one, uh, the reason that I was so attracted to it is because it became an internet phenomenon, and people went insane about trying to find out who this guy was. And mm-hmm. I just find that really interesting. And the fact that um, it seems that he knew that something was going to happen. He left all his ID behind. Yeah, but see, that's what I mean. I think that he may have been going out to escape, but he might have also been going out to die. That's what I'm thinking. For a person who's going to shoot himself in the stomach and die slow, this was the ultimate die slow. I'm going to just head off into the bush. I'm not going to have a phone. Is that your dog? No, that's the neighbor's dog. That sounds like a hound. That's that's Rosie the Hound. Okay. Rosie the Hound. Doesn't Rosie the Hound sound like a drug dealer? Just walk up the street and talk to Rosie the Hound. She deals beef livers like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> so that's the story of Mostly Harmless. Something drew me to the story and I had to share it. I just felt that I had to. And listeners, tell me if you liked it. Comment. Yeah. Really bury Riley on this one. What a mistake. By the way, I have to say something. Uh-huh. Yes. So I'm done with this, the story. But I just want to talk to you a, a little bit about because... Okay, so the furor ensued over WandaVision. So I had to fucking watch (laughs) WandaVision because I couldn't get away from WandaVision everywhere. And I liked it. I didn't think it, again, changed television forever and changed the superhero narrative, you know. I liked it. I thought it was too long. I thought the first three episodes where they were doing, um, you know, basically recreating old uh, sitcoms, Dick Van Dyke mm-hmm. show and Bewitched and mm-hmm. Brady Bunch mm-hmm. and all that was really masturbatory. They just wanted to stretch this out to show us how well they could do it. I thought that show could have been four hours long. And I mean, it just ended in a classic superhero battle. And I thought Catherine Hahn as the witch was super campy. She acted like she had just gone to Hocus Pocus school. <laughs> I'm going to get you now because I'm a witch. And so I have to talk like this. And it was just like, calm down. That was really creepy what you just did there. I liked it. No, I, I think you're, that those are, I think those are all fair comments. I thought it had the potential at one point to be next level. I, I would give it seven and a half stars out of ten. Yeah, I'd give it about a six. But I have no desire to rewatch it. No, 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 no. No. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I feel that way about most of the Mar- I like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but 
there's very few of those films that Rosie, you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, I have my window cracked open to get some fresh air in here. That's why you hear That's Rosie okay. so well. Uh, I um I there's very few of those Avengers movies where I'm like oh that was um, like incredible. There's a few that were certainly a notch above the others, like Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I thought was excellent. Endgame. Wait, which one came first? Endgame or the Infinity uh, War? What was the? I don't know. I have okay. No the second idea. last Avengers movie was pretty damn good. The first Iron Man is very good. You know, but that being said, it's uh, there's so oh the first Captain America I thought was excellent. There's so many of them. I uh, you know I have to say, having watched both properties recently, I like Star Wars better. I I, I, I can't agree with you. More. But I can also tell you this: I just got finally caught up with because I had I hadn't caught up to seasons two and three so mm-hmm. i'm up to date now on star trek I haven't watched it's it so damn good i'm a trekkie mm. more than anything else i think because i like the philosophy behind it and dan the special effects the throwing at that show are like the same caliber as what you're getting in marvel and star wars properties it's really good you know what i just started watching was the expanse that's a show that's dense it's complicated, and we watched the first two seasons. You gotta stay with it, and you gotta pay attention. Uh, do you ever? Yeah. So I'm gonna take it slow. Yeah. And but I've been very impressed, and what a cast! It's like kind of like. Do you remember that show Babylon Five? Yes. It's that kind of show where there's a lot of politics and a lot of stuff you have gotta keep track of. Well, it was reminding me of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite shows of all time. Me the too. remake. In fact, I I would say maybe maybe number one. The remake, and it was one of the few series I've ever watched that ended the way I wish it had. I thought the ending was beautiful, and you didn't really ever see the ending coming till the end came. Yeah, and it just not that it was a big like aha, but it was it was so good. Yeah, so good. Very creative storytelling. I do want to tell you one last thing. Yeah, they were speaking about this. You brought all this stuff. Go up. for it. I did finally watch Mank, and again. I think Tony Shalhoub is funny. Oh, don't do this. Don't do this. Did you? I thought it was very good. I thought it was really neat. I mean, Gary Oldman, that, okay, the monologue at the dinner party. My God. Phenomenal. I think, it was, so a great film, it feels so much like Citizen Kane. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right, and I'm sure that was done on well, purpose. Well, you can tell they loved, they loved Citizen Kane. And so prescient today, that that speech when he's giving the gears to um, Randolph Hearst, brilliant. And he, uh, what a fascinating person he was, you know, and I, I ended up reading about him afterwards. I knew nothing about the this guy. Yeah, the two of them. It's funny. Yes. It's funny, you know, because when I love actors most is when they can portray a character that I despise and love at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that is what I loved about Mank. You fucking hate him. You hate the way he treats people. He's a narcissistic fucking arsehole. But yet there's something so wonderful about him as well. He's such a creative genius. Yeah. He's, you yeah. know. I, I think he was, I think he was a good person. He was very fast with his, his mouth. Yeah. But you know what I like about him and, and people like him? Again, assuming that this movie depicted him properly. I think he's the type of guy you would always know where you stand with him. Mm-hmm. There's no bullshit. Yeah, I agree. Right? And the girl, apparently the girl who played Hearst's girlfriend, the, that movie girl, mm-hmm. apparently she nailed it. Apparently that was exactly what that girl was like. I can't remember her name, but mm-hmm. I loved it. And the, the mm-hmm. cinematography, I mean, David Fincher always delivers beautiful cinematography. 
But anyway, I'm glad you saw it. I'm glad. And I wish most more people would see it because it's an important movie. Yeah, well, it's going to get, it's a, it was nominated for a Golden Globe. Yeah, I think, I, I think he was. I'm going to also, I've got, and I'm going to watch this week, The Mauritanian, because I've heard so much. Yeah, I know there's so many good movies that we have to watch. I know, I know. It's, it's Thank God, you know, it's COVID, because I can watch movies. Yeah. But anyway, that's my story. Um, yeah, so I caught up with um, WandaVision. And I'm, I'm, I just got to say one more thing. I'm so tired of fucking people losing their shit over Marvel. It's not even, like, you can't even criticize it without getting, like, crucified online well i'd like to know how much dc is paying you <laughs> i don't like dc stuff either really it's, i hate dc it's too stuff dark. except for the the bat the batman um uh, christopher uh, what's his face nolan yeah the only, that was exceptional the only batman i ever liked was the tim burton one i loved it the first yeah, one because it's campy and weird like comics are supposed to be anyway we're gonna get every comic book fan now is gonna drop the podcast because i'm a got a big mouth yeah way to go thanks a lot so we're good dan we're good hey everybody thanks for listening to the podcast if you're enjoying what you're hearing uh there's a few ways that you can uh, give thanks you can rate us uh if if there's that option on whatever platform you're listening to us uh such as uh, the uh, that old iphone app you can rate us there but you know more importantly uh, share the good uh, news of the weird with your friends and family and drop us a comment if there's anything you'd like us to maybe cover in a future episode, or if you want to tell Riley how terribly he did in tonight's show, please reach out to us. We have a Facebook account and an Instagram account. We can be found by typing in The Weird Podcast. Dan, who is this, uh, this uh, episode sponsored by? What's our sponsor again? This episode was sponsored by Brown's Wigs. Mastering. I wanted to, what was the name of that? Oh, Gilboa Freak? Yes! I don't know why I love that. <laughs> it sounds legit. Uh, yeah, I know. That's the the beauty of it. You know what? I'm going to make merch, a gil- one of the merch, a Gilboa. Yeah, this is, yes, exactly. Gilboa Fruit. Most of our grapes don't have rats. Gilboa Fruit. Our bananas weren't processed in a cyanide factory. <laughs> Gilboa Fruits. Ma picks them herself. And she's got a big cigarette with a like, huge thing huge of ash, ash at the end of the cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know one time when I was a little kid, I went to a dentist and he smoked. Oh. Isn't that weird? Did he put his ashes out in your mouth? No, but he was smoking. Ugh. I know it was weird. Yeah, that is yeah. weird. The six, the, well, that was like the late 60s. Were you in Holland? Okay, we're done. So thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode. I hope that uh, you found it as engaging as I did. And we'll uh, see you next week when Dan tells us a story of the weirdness that abounds in our world. Good night, everybody. Good night. Dan Lajwa says you're a murderer. <laughs> My wife thinks so too, you got that weird voice.